welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. We're here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk. I'm Zach Shahan, CEO of Clean Technica. And joining us today is Karina Brockle, Chief Revenue Officer at Aurora Solar. Karina, just to start off, can you give us a little bit of an insight into how you got into the solar industry, how you got interested in solar, and then also how you found your way to Aurora Solar specifically? Yes, it will be my pleasure. Good morning. Yeah, so I'm Karina, Karina Brockle, Chief Revenue Officer at Aurora Solar. And it's a very good question. How did I get into clean tech and into the solar world uh, through my career? So I started my career actually very classically in technology. So I'm originally from Germany. So forgive my little grammatical or grammar mistakes here and there or my accent. So born in Heidelberg, started my career really in at SAP, um, SAP AG, very big uh, technology company uh, in Germany, and then got into SaaS, which is uh, software as a service within Salesforce, also another big now American a technology company, then spent time at Box, um, a cloud content uh, platform, and then had the pleasure to join the solar world, the solar coaster through Aurora Solar. And how did I end up here? It was quite frankly, a very just exciting moment, an inflection point uh, in the industry. Um, the industry just in general, energy transformation has been going on for years. So this is not the last three years have been exciting, but it's just joining really that journey of transformation. And what is, from my perspective, really interesting is approaching it from a technology perspective and uh, yeah, the technology in the space, how how can it support to create a better energy future for everybody. And uh, that's how I ended up in Aurora Solar for the last uh, three years. Great. And can you tell us a little bit more about who Aurora Solar is, what you what you specialize in, what your focus is? Yeah, sure. Of course. So maybe first a quick intro to what the company does. So we as a company, so we're a, a technology platform. And what we do here is we really support solar professionals in how you market, how you sell. And then most importantly, how we're known is how we design solar installations. So through the technology, you can do all of the above. And uh we do it with uh, with a lot of technology and AI is a big component in that. So we try to just make all of processes just better, better connected, streamlined, and so that solar professionals can show up really well for the homeowner. So that is uh, one of our key goals um, as and, a company. <clears throat> and and where then, are you based? Uh, well, based, I'm based in San Francisco in uh, California. And what do I do at Aurora? So I take care of uh, most things related to revenue. So I have the sales organization under my umbrella, also marketing. I have also the Helioscope brand, which the solar world probably also knows, um, which focuses on CNI, so on the commercial side of uh, the solar world. And then I also lead um, our international expansion. Me being a German, uh, we're expanding into Germany first in Europe, 
that of course has a lot of benefits me coming from germany so yeah, yeah. I, and I, my uh, my wife is polish and i lived in wrocław poland for 11 years which is oh, in german breslau yeah yeah, well, the yeah. First time i flew there i was very confused <laughs> i guess the end of the munich airport last like terminal and i'm looking for wrocław and i don't see it anywhere i was like what I was freaking out. I was like, what? Wait, I just walked all the way through this airport. I'm supposed to be there. And then I'm looking at it, I'm like, Breslau, Wrocław, Breslau, Wrocław. Maybe that's the same place, you know? <laughs> now <laughs> they, they make sure to label it Wrocław. But back like 15 years ago or something, it was, um, they just kept it Breslau in German airports. <laughs> I see. Yes. But yeah, now right. very, very comfortable with the German accent. But also, I we just visited this summer again and the rooftop solar industry in Poland is just blowing up. It's just so it much rooftop solar going in like so rapidly, so much more than I see here in Florida in the Sunshine State, which is embarrassing, you know, but it must be really um, a hot market for you guys looking at Poland, Germany, all of these these markets. Germany, of course, was one of the original leaders of the solar industry. So, and yeah, just speaking about that, I mean, every year for, uh, you know, for the past 15, well, for the past several decades, <laughs> The solar industry has been driven by policy. I mean, of course, there's a strong market components, obviously, but policy has driven the, driven this industry into fruition and into the scale that it is now, where it's the largest energy generation uh, market in the world each year now. So, uh, as far as new capacity, new new capacity growth, not generation. That's right. So, I'm just curious to get your take on how you're viewing, especially with that dual background of European policies and US policies and you know, San Francisco, very different from Germany, but but you know, right. <laughs> seeing everything. Can you talk a little bit about how you've seen the Inflation Reduction Act affecting the industry in the past couple of years? Yeah, of course. And you're right. So just as a um, a general comment, policy is important. It's important to to track it in the industry. So uh, most of my conversations with solar Solar companies in Germany, you call them Solateure, is really also a lot about ensuring that we as an industry really track policy well. So that's a, I, I just make it as a first comment because it is not always as understood in different levels. You have federal, you have, you have state, you have regional, same applies to Europe. And just even keeping an eye on, on policy in general can be can be a topic and a challenge for solar businesses and really understanding what what are what are in these in these acts. And so when you ask a bit more directly about the Inflation Reduction Act, what I would say my first observation or a first observation, it's in general, it's been positive. So it it a raised just the awareness even of solar in the US with a the media coverages that it had, homeowners paying attention and realizing that they could get a they could get support through the Inflation Act, Reduction Act for their solar installations. So in general, it just raised the awareness of solar, I think, for, for US citizens and homeowners in general, so which is very positive. I would also say that we already saw the effects in all my discussions, at least already in 23. We also think that it will be have a positive effect on 24. And I'll go a bit more into that, why I think it is so. So we do very regular uh, studies and we call reports. So we uh, we call it a solar industry snapshot here at Aurora. And what we do here, we have three different sources 
So we poll about a thousand citizens or American consumers, then about a thousand solar professionals. And then we also analyze our, our own data. So whereas proprietary data um, and has over 10 million solar projects that are getting designed within our platform. And those three data points usually give us a good indication, especially around uh, policy or changes in the industry about the effects of, of it. So, and when it comes to the Inflation yeah. Act- about How um, normal, normal citizens are seeing it as well as how- That's right. It <laughs> can be the same or it can be quite different, right? I That's imagine. right. That's right. And I think it's important to get it, you have three angles and then and then look at the data underneath and to get just a good, to get a picture of what's actually going on. Is it positive or is it negative? And I would say the first- numbers that uh, I think I'd like to just uh, highlight is so 45% of solar professionals. Uh, so in that in that bucket, they noticed um, an increase of demand as a result of the uh, Inflation Act. And then another 40% just expect uh, even demand just to rise in the future. So very positive. Homeowners, about 77% just uh, increased in interest in going solar. And we saw really a 40% increase here in project counts year over year in designs wow. and over. And within yeah. the first year or? Yeah, two? in 2023, that's right. And then 70% of solar professionals actually really noted it in their business. So the business grew. So that's a really positive first impression that we got from uh, from the Inflation Act. Policy and then, Act, yeah, yeah I mean, the data is great. <laughs> And then I'll also say just, uh, so in addition, then I make sure also keeping just conversations and uh, also seeing how the industry in general sees it. So we have an event, um, it's called Empower. It's an annual event and where we, we try to bring the industry together. We try to really get solar business owners, so really CEOs to speak about how they view policy. And in this case, the IRA, and they definitely said that they expected it to be a positive, to be positive. So one thing but, early... <laughs> Okay, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead with the button and I'll ask more about it. Oh, yeah. That's right. I've been starting with the positive and what we've seen and the data being positive. But that's I'd more also... California of you than German of you, I feel like. <laughs> that is that's <laughs> truly right. That's very true. I started with the positive. Yeah, but then what I also say is with any introduction of policy comes also a period of uncertainty. And what that means is that you have on for the Inflation Act, it was really there were short-term effects on how community solar distributed generation projects could obtain tax credits. And so, and then guidance on low-income tax credits and greenhouse gas reduction fund applications was also a topic that started to appear and become more crisp. But that for a certain period of time, you just have uncertainty in the market. And homeowners will just ask: so when is it actually going to affect? When could I benefit from it? And so it creates a bit of a pause in the market and for, for solar companies. And yeah, you have to educate during that, during that phase of uncertainty quite a lot more than you usually would do. Hello, cleantech enthusiasts. If you enjoy cleantech talk and cleantechnica, please consider pitching in a few dollars a month at cleantechnica.com slash support. That's cleantechnica.com slash support where you can sign up in seconds with a credit card, pitch in a few dollars a month or whatever you like. Some people actually contribute $100 a month to help us cover climate change and clean tech and try to help the world one word at a time. Thank you. Well, that lines up a lot with what I was going to actually ask next, which is 
I mean, we've we've had this boom bust cycle for solar. Well, in all market, I mean, Germany had it big time with feed-in tariffs. Australia, which is leading, has had it, but the U.S. has had it. You know, definitely with the investment tax credit for the past decade plus. And one of the benefits I heard early on about the IRA was that it it provided a real long-term stability and security that we've never really quite had to this scale, and that that was the immediate effects were fine, good, but which even some great from, from what you're telling us, but there there was just more enthusiasm that this was just the long-term stability that the market has always craved and, and wanted. I mean, with the political situation today in the U.S., like nothing is certain. I mean, we have a very volatile, very unpredictable situation politically with what's going to happen next few years. I mean, it used to be when something like this was in place, you would never roll it back. Like it's it's benefiting business is benefiting states across the country is benefiting people now there's a question like what you know anything could be rolled back if effectively it seems like these days if power changes but what's your take on that on sort of like the really long term the 2027 2030 kind of time frame and how much this affects that and what that does for companies like aurora and and others yeah, absolutely. I think, and you're totally right, creating stability is actually really important. And why do I say that? Um, I mean, we have the phrase of the solar coaster in the US, the up and downs. And uh, so there is a real ask for stability and meaning that policy stays stable for not only one, two, three or four years, but for a much longer period. That's where, and I'm comparing a bit now, in Germany, why did you have such a stable and steady rise of solar, uh, solar as a as an energy product, but also just homeowners um, pursuing solar installations? It's because there was a very stable environment. By the way, also changing in Germany. <laughs> so interestingly enough, and you can see then those effects for the businesses. But it's critical, in my opinion, to just deliver for the industry and for the energy transition to just give very stable and long-term policy because that will create less less solar coaster. So it's a- is this helping? How, what is the kind of time? Yeah, I mean, I would I would hope for at least periods of ten to fifteen years, where you have a very stable uh, programs that are not reversed in order for businesses to plan and to have and to be, be having the ability to do so. So yeah, but that is a so we can. That's a great. I mean, that's <laughs> might be wishful great, thinking in the U.S. given given just the cycles we can be in. But the current the current policy the current legislation with the IRA gives you a sense of security through 2030, 2035? How far out? I mean, like I said, it's... You know, you I wouldn't know give it that far out. I think, and this is my personal opinion now and my, yeah. um, so what I can see, but I think it will definitely be a lot longer than it usually has been. So I would hope for at least the eight-year mark is what I would would, sounds, would be hoping sounds, for. Sounds reasonable and pragmatic. <laughs> <laughs> I expect nothing less. This is this is good though. I mean, that's still it's a big difference from year to year or or every two that's year right. extensions, which that's were. Right. I mean, in the one on the one hand, it would spur a lot of installation and and because people are like, oh, I have to do it now before it goes away. But it's just it doesn't help for building businesses and building sustainable, efficient businesses and all and bringing down costs, which the U.S. has struggled with uh, compared to other markets that have much uh, lower costs for permitting and installation and, and uh, customer acquisition and everything. Well, I will jump from that kind of very good 
story and stable, you know, kind of look to net energy metering 3.0, because this has been, I think this the solar topic that's even ex- exceeded the IRA in the past year or two. What can you tell us about what has happened with NEM 3.0 and and what it means and what and what's perhaps around the corner? Yeah, so I can give a bit of perspective here, also a bit around data. But what I'd say, so definitely NEM3 in California has definitely taken a bit, it definitely <laughs> made the RA and the, the positives here a lot more challenging and definitely something to be looked at as a negative. And when I say that, it's because... Well, now with NEM3, it just limits how how much a homeowner can really earn from selling solar energy back to the grid. And so it has, has caused really good, a good amount of slowdown in the state. And then I'll, I'll just quote Bernadette Del Chiaro, so Council's executive director. She represents the um, the solar the solar industry market here for for us here in California and so I agree with her on so she quoted about eighty percent since NEM three so we had the market going down uh, as after it went into effect and we see similar drops in just project creations um, for California so you had this really big peak. So people were rushing, really, Californians were rushing to just benefit of NEM2 or um, the metering that was in effect before and to grandfather it in. And then as soon as you had April, the deadline uh, rushing by, um, you really had this, you really saw this drop. So which is difficult for one of the biggest solar markets in uh, in the US. Yeah, so a lot of focus um, about uh, NEM3 and the effects of it. So and what I'll say... There is another aspect also that made makes it more challenging. It's definitely financing. And what I mean by that, just interest rates have increased. And so it becomes, it creates hesitation uh, for, again, a homeowner to make a decision for solar. So then we saw third-party loans have become more appealing, but then these limit how much a homeowner can really actually profit from going solar. So that combination between M3 and interest rates really make it challenging for for the current solar solar owner business owners and solar companies to just uh, keep up with the growth we had very great growth for a long time but keeping up with the growth rates that businesses have projected or forecasted for years so um and i think we forget change here sometimes the us is so large and we think we talk about the us market but the california market has always been such a huge portion of the us market for everything clean tech so you have to really look at what's happening in California uh, to, to to have any sense of what's happening in the U.S. And, you know, while other places may may be growing more, I mean, California market has such a heavy weight on what happens. But, yeah, I mean, we've I saw something the other day about how it's a very difficult time for people to buy a home and then get their have it be financially beneficial for them. Like it's, it's a very long period before they could sell it now. And make a make money on it if they bought it in the past uh, year or so. And yeah. with cars, yeah. we've been covering the kind of it's a kind of seems like sort of very barely talked about financing crisis that's sort of happening uh, in the car market. That's reminiscent of you know maybe two thousand eight with with um, everything that happened back then with with the economy. Just a lot of issues with financing and interest rates and people not making payments for a long, like a sort of record um, 
record cases of people not making payments for their cars that they've sort of bought when they, when the prices were high and now are struggling to um to pay off so it's just there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in the air and i think there's so much that's been happening with supply chains and the covid pandemic and wars invasions all of that kind of stuff that i, I think is very hard for anyone to really have a feeling of where we're going to be in six months or a year with any of these markets right do you do you do you have a similar yeah. feeling or or do you feel a little more a little less less concerned about the the state of things i'm a i'm a I'm very pragmatic. <laughs> I'll just be I'm a pragmatist. And so for me, the 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 one thing, and you're totally right, macro is something to be watched. That's why I started our conversation with, I think that's where macro trends is is something for every solar solar business. It's very important. But I'd say one thing, and maybe changing a bit perspective, but I think the, um, the importance is here just to create, in my opinion, a really good homeowner experience. And what I mean by that is taking the homeowner along and really as a solar business, focusing on educating the homeowner in a better way. So that has been not non-trivial, again, because there is changes, markets adapt. In general, there is awareness about some policy and then the policy change. So there is a lot of a lot of weight on the shoulders of a solar company to really educate the homeowner. So I think it's important that we as an industry actually educate very well and find better, faster, and also more trust-building ways to really make that connection to the homeowner and their homeowner experience. And what I'll mention, so again, in our industry snapshot, what we found is that 50% of homeowners find it challenging to determine if an installer is, is legitimate and which is holding them back from going solar. And there's a lot to do in how from marketing to sales to then actually to the actual installation, how to create very positive experiences with the homeowner and then really explaining all these incentives um, really well and transparently. And so <laughs> what I'd say is uh, maybe a few other data points. So 87% of consumers believe a solar company's reputation is more important when they decide to go for solar, whether than not to work with them. So that is a very interesting uh, piece. And then nearly nearly half, nearly 43% actually start have struggled to differentiate between solar companies. So I think there is a lot that we, we as an industry can do to just make sure that, again, we educate the homeowner well, we break the complexities down, and then um, really create when changes like NEM three are happening, we uh, we catch a bit these up and downs in the in the market. And so I think the other really big thing that came out out of NEM three is how to educate on the ROI of solar plus storage. So the the storage, the battery components, how can you then get a better ROI again out of your out of your system, is a very important other point that I think. The industry was a bit late too. You could see yeah. wasn't a lot, but it that one quarter, <laughs> and then just making that transition was definitely a challenge. And I had a lot of discussions um, yeah, with some companies about about that transition. I was going to ask about that next specifically as well, because going off grid was a popular theme uh, some decades ago. As the solar industry grew and more and more, it was like a, a mainstream offering. You know, the, the argument was like, just use the grid as the battery. Like, this is the best 
battery you have is is the grid you know so just you know don't don't try to do too much and then overspend when you have that backup right there and clearly the the NEM 3.0 regulations are going to push more people to 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 have a their own you know fully separate solar plus battery system this is also getting more competitive although i guess the 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 learning curve the trends have 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 not been as strong in recent years as they were for for several years with battery costs coming down and solar costs coming down there's you know all the supply chain issues and all that but what how how do you view that market right now in california how do you view like where it's at and how people are talking about it for uh, customer end and industry end on where it might be again in a year if if uh, certain trends keep keep going yeah i mean we we definitely see so attach rates for batteries is what we see in, in any of the annual reports as well from the big solar companies you can see already how that trend is going to continue so but i think the what it, what is it driving it's a getting more what, ROI. What are- what are the attach rates right now? Do you know? Or it depends, of course, on the on the company. It depends on the solar company. But I mean, um, I don't have a c- concrete number. I can look that up for us. We no can, problem. Yeah, we can get that and put that in an article later. But totally, I, <laughs> can, I feel like I should know. We as can well. follow up. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, well, um, but it's it's a it's a big California per se. It's there the solar companies are trying to, of course, balance out that ROI discussion. It's about how do you make most out of it? So we'll we'll get the number for uh, what we see um, in California and the attach rates in general. But then what I'd also say is it's about balancing out what how energy prices are going to continue over the next years, decades. I think that's another part where with battery NEM3, IRA. So where homeowners really one has to lead in, lean in a bit and educate the homeowner about how or I mean 62% of homeowners expect the energy prices to continue to rise. And that's one of the reasons why Americans today they look for solar or are interested in solar. So I think that trend will continue to, to happen. And so I I think we'll just have to over the next years make that combination really, really well about the education make the battery attach and then and then also track alongside what are the energy prices actually doing so that the homeowner gets gets actually what they need and what they wish for in energy. What I'll say also, I think that in general, just being better in selling is definitely an agreement that I've heard now from so many discussions over the last six months and meaning being the ability to switch to have a just more accurate, speedy conversation is really critical and important. What I mean by that is accuracy. A homeowner today expects a solar company when they pitch, when they present solar, to have it already pretty dialed in, meaning the, the solar system that they're presenting and even the first draft needs to be really accurate. And any changes that come afterwards or any anything that gets missed during that conversation corrodes a bit to trust. So meaning that, oh, now we have a few more panels less or more or in order. And so that is a, an important point that I think for California, but all the other markets in general is just an area where if we change that very well, we support it with, I mean, I'm, I'm having a technology viewpoint. I think technology can help here a bunch. 
you're fast and accurate at the same time. And then you create really, really meaningful experience with the homeowner. So then it it just creates a better experience altogether. And I believe then we can balance a bit out effects that we have in here. So yeah, so focusing yeah. a bit on the sales and then those soft costs. You mentioned it earlier. Yeah, the US has unusually high costs exactly. in here in the solar world. I think there is a real opportunity for the homeowner, but also for the solar companies to just become way more efficient. I think exactly. that's where... Yeah we'll get as an industry just a lot more uh, yeah, Lawrence Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory has has long produced these kind of these great extensive reports that highlight what are the costs of of uh what are the costs all the different costs that go into a solar system soft costs hard costs and and comparing that to other countries and for some reason soft costs are what much higher in the US and two of the two biggest factors have been solar permitting costs and solar acquisition costs customer acquisition costs sorry and i'm just it's always been a little bit like i understand the permitting problem is pretty straightforward we it takes too long it's too costly and all that but the acquisition it's always been a little bit like baffling like how is it so much more how does it how does it cost so much more to get customers in the US than in Germany or Australia or some other markets like do, I know you've just talked about that but but can you talk about it any more like yeah. give more insight into what it is that's taking yeah. taking it so yeah. much more time and money on, on our side yeah. of the I actually can because so I have insight into the different I call it the funnel so it's actually pretty relatively simple it's just how demand gets generated in each market and what we we see in the US is just the so the marketing and acquisition funnel of simply leads and being in touch again with the homeowner. That's why I'm focusing a lot on that. It's just it's a world where uh, it still leans a lot on the sales organizations of the solar professionals. So we have door knocking. We have very concretely reaching out to homeowners. And that's a different funnel. And what I mean by that is you'll see in different countries, again, also differs by country, difference just in, in buying consumer behavior, but a lot more is done digitally. So meaning through marketing funnels, education actually of the homeowner through through the upper parts of the funnel through marketing, and then actually very a lot slimmer funnels because you just don't need as many uh, yeah, you don't just need as many boots on the ground to educate the homeowner. So it's actually a more investing more in the earlier parts of the funnel. So increasing the awareness of solar in general is where the funnels are different because then you have a broader base, you just have way more efficiencies. So the marketing, sales, execution, operation funnels just become all a bit leaner. And that's where a lot of the cost sits lead acquisition, lead maturing, lead qualification, and then education of the homeowner early there. Oh, yeah. That's and it. living in Europe different. for over a decade, this has always been sort of what comes to mind is like stuff seems to get around by word of mouth really, really effectively, really quickly over there. Whereas here, of course, word of mouth is still a big factor, but it seems like people are just more disconnected and more. it's more, it's more like the communities are not so so strong and 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 big and, and it's like if something becomes like a, a good buying op opportunity in europe it's like boom all of a sudden everybody knows it <laughs> and and you see this case with like for example poland where it had like no rooftop solar when i was living there and then 
we've gone back a couple of times in, in the past four years and it's like just an extreme boom and it's like everybody knows about it all these people are like it's not just a niche segment it's not technologists it's not environmentalists it's like everyone you talk to <laughs> knows about it and it's just uh we don't seem to have that same word of mouth system i mean and we obviously we have word of mouth but it's not it doesn't seem to be the same so I, I i agree with your point and then i i mean i see constantly ads on youtube and on, online about get a solar estimate you know all this and it, and the, i mean they're they're sort of educational but they're sort of look spammy and i mean they look quite spammy sometimes and you get concerned like they don't necessarily seem trustworthy if you don't know the name and it, it's, it's a very decentralized uh, industry which is great because a lot of small businesses are benefiting but then you don't know who do i go to like who do i who can i trust who can't i trust there's a case in florida right now i just saw on google news where the attorney general is suing a, a company i think in north north um east florida that was basically pressuring people into going solar and then not finishing the projects and it's like you know you don't want to be the one of the people who fell for the wrong company and then Tesla is a really interesting case because it's its own beast, but it it's I don't know what all went into its um its uh, solar arm in the past few years. But when when Tesla acquired Solar City, the idea was we're going to make this process more efficient. We're going to do we're not going to do the door knocking. We're going to sell through our brand name through our stores that are already in place. We're going to have all these efficiencies, and we're gonna we're going to do great. In effect, in actual actuality, the past few years, Tesla's solar division has dropped a lot, and it's shrunk from being the clear leader to not being near the leadership position. So I'm not sure if that didn't work for Tesla or if they just weren't prioritizing solar for other reasons or or not. But but again, it's a kid is how do we how do we get past this barrier of having to spend so yeah. much time <laughs> and so much effort? And just having a more general understanding, hey, just go solar, just do it. <laughs> Nike, yeah. just do it. We need the <laughs> Nike slogans. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I think it's a it's an industry topic because I think you you have to have multiple players coming together to just raise the general awareness. And so there is there is very practical ways you can do so. You can do it with uh, through digital. And so there there is definitely routes and routes that we we get tapped on the shoulder all the time and get asked by <laughs> by the solar by the solar companies uh, how could aurora help here uh, and and do more and we're definitely think we're definitely thinking through that and how can we just help in general to make more of digitized because then it's an easier way it's much faster you can do it through search so there's a whole area here that we're is very interesting for sure and i think as an industry as we come together that we could tap into but it will be a topic i think for everybody in yeah. the industry for a long time just be sure to send me updates when you have you know great <laughs> things working great um great practices you're like hey look this is working really well look at this improvement so keep us posted and as one more final topic i think from me at least so you know early on climate change concern uh, starting i mean starting before al gore's inconvenient truth but especially a big that that made a big impact on a lot of people and uh sort of helped to kick kick off more solar interests and many early buying of solar and electric vehicles was you know people who were concerned about the climate we're more mainstream now we're much more mainstream now so i imagine it seems like the conversation has shifted away from that a lot because we're trying to find people who are buying it to save money or you know, for financial reasons who are who overlooked it for climate reasons 
But at the same time, we have such extreme weather issues, natural disasters related to climate, fires in California, extreme hurricanes in Florida. Are you, how is that conversation going these days? How much is that a part of, of why people go solar these days? How much of that is a part of the conversation that you think uh, yeah. solar companies should be having with, with people or, or not having? Yeah, I mean, it it's definitely for sure something that typically gets woven into into the into the argument for solar. So I think it's very present. However, what I'd say is it's important just, I think we're that step further, as you rightly were saying, you had the early adopters who were very motivated by by climate and by making an impact through uh, through solar in that way. But we definitely are in the next phase of really democratizing it. You had also what you what you saw earlier is just in, in order to finance solar a few years back, just a very different world. And so you had to bring a lot more and what more capital within that or bring a lot more capital yourself to get your solar installation. And I think it's really important that we're in that next transition, in that next phase. So where we're getting actually now to the masses or to a really much broader base. And there, of course, the the argument or the reasoning for, for solar is typically now a mix. So it depends really, uh, really great, who are already very refined. They actually, solar companies are able to tweak it based on what they see the interest is of the homeowner. Is it more about climate? Is it really more about reducing the monthly electricity bill or other reasons? And so that, yeah, they tweak it really down to that. But in these these days, what I'm seeing and just even from how companies position, it's a mix. It's definitely a mix because it's just a lot more broader. And so the the reasons for going solar are a lot more broader now too. And uh, so, yeah, the early, the climate, the uh, the effect on climate is definitely something that people care about. Yeah. And someone else on your team who's listening in just sent a chat that um, that your snapshot found 35% of all, all homeowners are worried about the impact of climate change on their property. Right. So it's still a big portion but i mean the money the month to month costs are going to are going to be the the driving force for most buyers i imagine uh, are there any i'm not sure if i not sure we had a lot of really fun discussions which uh, i would say even more than normal so i got a little bit you know beyond the the agenda i had here so <laughs> i'm not sure if i missed anything i don't think so but is, is there anything that that you wanted to touch on or wanted to talk about that we have not or or do you want to emphasize again? I think we're good. I think we touched on a lot of very, very good points, the the pros and the cons. <laughs> well, thank you for your insight. This has been a really, yeah, no, it's, I appreciate that you, uh, some people just want to talk about the good stuff. And I appreciate that you're giving us all the angles and just giving us a really thorough update of the solar industry and, and right now so it's, it's appreciated and uh enjoy sunny california and mm-hmm. uh, and the the booming clean tech industry out there <laughs> i will i will thank you so much right. what a pleasure thank you for listening to clean tech talk join us next time to get your electric fix If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks.
Yeah. <laughs>